every morning. Arabile Gomede and Nastasia Aronsa on Classic Business. Breakfast with MoneyWeb. It's 7.32. Uh, Sean Miller is a senior lecturer in economics and research associate at the University of Johannesburg. Is of the view that uh, uh, South Africa's finance minister, Tito Mboweni's budget presentation was uh, designed to steady the ship. And he's on the line right now to talk to us a little bit more about his views on that budget. Uh, Sean, thank you so much uh, for your time. It, was, uh, it wasn't the longest speech. I mean, I think it was 18 pages, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, what did you think of the overall content of the, that speech? Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, well, the speech itself, as always, is um, quite a superficial summary of what's actually in the budget review. And yes, the minister was trying to stabilize the ship, as most of his predecessors have been trying to do. Um, since at least about 2014. The disconcerting thing is that each year, each budget or each medium-term budget policy statement, we seem to miss the targets that were set in the previous budget or previous medium-term budgets, um, sometimes when it comes to the deficit or the budget balance, um, and pretty much always when it comes to stabilizing the debt-to-GDP ratio. So that is a concern. Right. A lot of people who, you know, responded to it thought, yes, he, you know, the minister was uh, balancing a tightrope and he had a lot of people to, uh, I suppose, make happy. But uh, in the overall, the background is that we have low economic growth. And as a result, tax revenue, um, there are some shortfalls. There's a whole host of things that sort of feed into each other. And when you look at the proposals that were tabled, were there a good enough response to the current situation? What are you looking for, perhaps even post uh, the elections, when it comes to um, the political will to enforce some of these uh, concerns or some of the solutions to alleviate the concerns? Yes, there's no doubt that it's a very difficult situation, and in these kinds of situations, there are always going to be some decisions that make uh, some groups unhappy. I think you're right that the the main drivers are low economic growth, um, revenue shortfalls, partly because of economic growth, but partly also because of problems in tax administration, especially under the previous tax commissioner. And in addition to that, we're seeing the the risks from state-owned enterprises that previously were, shall we say, creatively pushed off the main government, government balance sheets, um, in line with international practice, essentially supporting these state-owned enterprises to do their own borrowing rather than borrowing for them through, through the national balance sheet. But now what we're seeing is that those, those risks and those contingent liabilities are kind of finding their way back onto to the national budget. Um, my main concern in terms of the decisions that the Treasury has been making and the Minister of Finance, the different Ministers of Finance have been making is around the compensation budget. Right now, it seems to be a very... It, it, on the, it sounds strange to say it's an easy place to cut because we know that the unions are quite resistant to cuts in, in, in either wage levels or, or in employee numbers. But it's an easy place to cut in the sense that we're not really very well informed about what the consequences are. And one of the issues is that I think we need to move away from this notion of managing the public sector wage bill as if it's this homogenous entity and that it's always a good thing to be bringing it down. The reality is that the public sector wage bill um, is at the core of the functioning of the state. Civil servants are paid 
through the wage bill, and only with civil servants can the state serve individuals and, and indeed firms in the private sector. So when we when we hear these plans, we know that posts have already been reduced. Um, the, the Treasury document said by about 16,000 at national level, I think it was closer to about 50,000 at, at provincial level. You know, provincial level, a lot of the posts involve education and healthcare. So the presumption should be the individual citizens are probably getting lower quality uh, service delivery than they did in the past. And in particular, with this new plan to try and retire 30,000 civil servants between 50, ages of 55 and 59, there's very little detail on what occupations are going to be retired. What is the quality of these individuals? And the danger is you might actually use the most important and the best quality civil servants because those are the ones who can leave and find alternative uh, employment as consultants and so forth. Um, so I think we, we need a lot more information from the Treasury and the Ministry of Finance and perhaps the Department of Public Service and Administration on the implications of the successive cuts actually to public sector employment. Were there aspects of uh, the budget speech that you liked in terms of proposals that may be seen as progressive? Um, there, there were some. There are always some because part of the... I think we need to be clear. None of this is really a criticism of, of the National Treasury and the Ministry of Finance. Their job is to put together as good a budget as they can, stabilize public finances, and sell it as best they can. And sometimes selling it involves having uh, initiatives that, that are notionally progressive. So one is uh, an increased uh, allocation of funds to providing free sanitary pads to learners at, um, at low-income schools. Um, there are a couple of others that, uh, that slip my mind. But the, the thing is that, oh, a good one, a good, a good symbolic change is the freezing of salaries for members of the national and provincial legislatures and some state executives. That's good because it sends a signal that our political leaders, effectively our political representatives, are also willing to make some sacrifices in a context where everybody's making sacrifices, as, for example, has been the case with the one percentage point increase in, in value-added appears that, that it will continue. So all citizens are, are paying more tax. Um, we know that, uh, that income-earning citizens have also had their tax rates increased. We know that the state, uh, something that hasn't been spoken about much, so, so the state is trying to go with measures that they are paying for, but the pain doesn't seem so bad because, because of the way it's framed. So for example, there's no new tax to, in, to, to raise an extra 10 billion, but the state is not adjusting the tax brackets. And by doing that through inflation, it will claw back an extra approximately 10 billion uh, in tax revenue. So these are the kinds of measures that are that are that are being used to either send uh, a, a symbolic message um, or to try and uh, minimise the sense that that we're in a difficult situation and and, and that people are are suffering, I suppose, or incurring extra costs. But when you step back. From, from the actual numbers, the, 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 the numbers for these additional progressive measures are extremely small. You know, I think it's about 157 billion total for the free sanitary pads. And, and, you know, so it's a great initiative, but at the same time, it's a, it's a drop in the ocean when it comes to 23 billion rand a year for ESCOM or 50 billion rand in cuts to the public sector wage bill over the medium term. Right. Everyone we've had on the show has rated uh, the budget speech out of 10 and given it a score. What would your rating be? I would say about 6.5. 6.5, that's fair. good. 
but to be fair in a difficult situation. All right. The highest rating we've gotten so far was a 7 out of 10. So 6.5, I think the minister can live with that for now. Sean, thank you so much for your time. That is Sean Miller, who is the Senior Lecturer in Economics and Research Associate at the University of Johannesburg. Let's have a look at traffic.